Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you're listening to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy. Supporting women is my passion and my purpose, and finding other women and men who lift women up is my favorite thing to do. Their stories are inspiring, and they help us understand that we can all succeed and create a better world if we support one another in our work and in our lives. These amazing conversations have also given me the stories and the wisdom from my earlier book, Leading Women. And they also inspired my newest book, which came out in 2019, called In This Together, How Successful Women Support Each Other in Work and Life. This week, I'm pleased to welcome one of those amazing women whose wisdom was quoted in my book, In This Together, Roxana Buerston. I first interviewed Roxy in 2015 about her earlier book, Lead Like It Matters, because it does. Now she has a new book called Hire Right, Fire Right. This new book is a valuable guide to help readers maneuver through the minefield of hiring, onboarding, and retaining top talent. Roxy has been there and done that. From the trenches to the mountaintop, her expertise and leadership was honed as a director of administration and faculties in finance at Cornell University, where she received her master's degree as CEO of the Highland Consulting Group. Roxy's partners with clients to build and sustain outstanding leadership capacity and results with a vision of creating a better world one leader at a time. Her expertise is sought by media outlets from coast to coast, including Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, Chief Learning Officer, Training Industry Magazine, and many, many more. So I'm pleased to welcome her back to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy and talk to her about her newest book, Hire Right, Fire Right. Well, Roxy, welcome back. Good to talk with you again. We're on the same path. We're on a, a very similar journey, and it's leadership, leadership, leadership. And right now, we need that more than ever. So welcome back. How are you? Thank you. Dr. Nancy, I am so pleased to be with you again today and to talk about things that matter to both of us. So I'm doing fine, thankfully, and uh, I can't wait to chat with you about what's happening. Okay. Well, as I said last week, uh, everybody I was with at the horse show came up positive, and so I tested and really, you know, we've got to do what we've got to do right now. So uh, everybody has to get smart. We've got to get smart and do what needs to happen so we can all get healthy and start 2021 in good mm-hmm. shape. So, well, we're going to talk about this book, Hire Right, Fire Right, A Leader's Guide to Finding and Keeping Your Best People. But first of all, we want to talk about you because, you know, we've, we've, we've talked about this before. Nobody does anything without reasons in their own life that have occurred that, you know, lead us to why we're doing what we're doing and what we continue to do and what our passion, our purpose is. So why are you, how did you get to be you? Well, the last time we talked, um, I had written the Lead Like It Matters Because It Does book, and and this book, Hire Right, Fire Right, is really, um, you know, once you're a good leader, that's terrific. Um, Once you're doing the right things for your people, that's terrific. And... New people come and people go all the time. And what yeah. is very clear to me is that, and, and the data is just beyond reproach, that the rate of hiring well is so low. Um, yeah. I mean, no 
no business would accept a 50% failure rate in any other part of their business. And so yeah. the most expensive part of their business is people, and they're not hiring well, and they're not firing well. And I've just heard so much of this throughout my career. I decided to write a book about what I know to be true and what I know works. Yeah. Well, my my background is in, uh, I was a director in EAP for a very large healthcare system, which we also offered EAPs to many, many other companies. And again, you're right, what happens in these companies, you know, we, we taught constructive confrontation training because there were so many dysfunctional managers. They just kind of come up through the ranks with little training, yes. with li- really little no- leadership knowledge, but were in positions because they've been there long enough that they were, you know, kind of bumped up instead of dealing with it early on and saying, you know, you need to go. You know, you need to fire, you know, they didn't fire them. They just, actually, sometimes they get promoted, which is even more amazing oh, to me. I know. Just move, move bad apples around. And, yeah, and yeah. And the other thing is that we don't intercede early enough and, and either turn it around or say goodbye. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, and, and, again, that bad apple, as you said, it affects everybody else in that office and in that company. And you have people leaving. You have the top talent leaving because they're not going to work for dysfunctional managers and in a, in a dysfunctional corporation. Absolutely. That, it happens all the time. And it's yeah. extremely costly. People. Oh, yeah. Training, know, training. Yeah, what companies spend on training is just a, it's and phenomenal. Hiring. And on hiring and on buyout packages. And it's. It's a no-brainer, Nancy. It's yeah. a no-brainer. And so it really, you're, you're really right. But Okay, let's talk about your ABC model because I think that's a good model for us to look at because we, we have to simplify. I want everybody to go read your book, but we need a, just a, those, those most key measures that we need to take when we're thinking about who we're going to hire and that we don't have to necessarily fire, you know, some way, right. some down the road. We, we, you don't want to think about firing. You want to think about hiring and keeping people in the longevity that they can come up through the ranks as functional, productive, successful managers and leaders. That's right. So uh, just before we get into the, the eight factors that I ask people to look at in terms of hiring, my overarching message in the book is that hiring, developing, and even terminating people is relational, not transactional. Yeah. And when people yeah. think about it, we're dealing with human beings and all the, all the idiosyncrasies and things that people bring with them. And so uh, the book is in three sections. The first one is about acquiring. So it's, uh, it's ARC, Acquiring, Retention, and Closure. And the hiring part is all in the uh, acquisition. And the retention is all about development. And then closure is all about when people leave, whether it's involuntary or voluntary. The involuntary ones are the ones, obviously. So in hiring, in the first section of the book, I talk about uh, eight factors that uh, are rarely all taken into consideration when people hire. Is that something you want me to share? Well, I think we're going to let them go read the book. They, they, let's just kind of get to the, the kind of the meat of it, which is, again, you know, companies are looking – well, right now we're in a, we're in a situation that uh, a lot of people are really doing business in such a different fashion now that a lot of people are really going to be – when COVID and we're back to whatever – who knows what it's going to look like. But people are really thinking very strongly about where they work and how they work, and corporations are seeing opportunities 
about retention and, again, who they want to hire and keep on board, especially during – you know, you find out who's 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 the best during your most difficult times. You know, this is this is a great time to look around mm-hmm. and go, who's who's still on the ship? You know, who who's jumping off the ship and who's still on the ship and we're going forward. So, it, yeah, let's, mm-hmm. so let's just talk about what we can do right now. Well, it depends on whether you're having to hire or you're trying to develop and keep the people that are on the ship, or whether you need to cut cut them loose. So, yeah. You know, they're, they're, those are the three things that happen during an employee's life cycle. And I, I, wh- why don't I just tell you what the eight things are there uh, that in terms of the hiring. They're attitude, so it's A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. Attitude, okay. brains includes experience, character, drive, fit, F, G, gut, and heart. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. I use my fingers to get all the alphabet. Um, so... <laughs> Well, you know, and the, uh, I think the key here, Roxy, is relationships. You know, and yeah. if, if if companies looked at the relationships they had with their their team members uh, as clients and treated them as you know valuable components of their corporation, five people will tell five more people how great you are, or five people will tell other five other people how bad you are. Oh, exactly. Well, the bad news travels even faster. So that, yes, and so that's the big section in my book around retention. Uh, And it starts with onboarding correctly. Um, And even if you haven't onboarded correctly to start with, doing some things that help those relationships and help people feel like they belong, that they fit, that they are welcome in the organization, and that they're valued makes all the difference in terms of retention. And I talk a lot about that. And how, how do you develop your people? And people say, well, we can't do any more development or training because of COVID and because we're all on Zoom. And that's just not true. People are doing it like crazy. I know yeah. lots of people are doing it. Doing it. So sure. it is not true that just because you're on Zoom. In fact, the opposite is true. In some ways, people are able to get together more than they were in the past. And then the question is, how do you design and manage those get-togethers uh, virtually so, such that it actually builds trust and builds relationships and develops yeah. people. So there, there's yeah. no reason we can't move forward um, even in a pandemic. Yeah. No, the, I'm, I, I'll be honest with you, Roxy. I've, I've really enjoyed the Zoom meetings because, you know, the time it takes for you to get to a meeting, get to a conference, you know, all the above – uh, it, it's very time-consuming. So really, talk about time management. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, a Zoom meeting. I mean, the, I mean, I've presented at virtual conferences, and it, it's yeah. it's actually a lot of fun. And uh, you know, you've got lots of great feedback. You can interact during the Zoom meeting. You texting and questions and so forth. So I think really, it's it's an opportunity. <laughs> I, I don't want to I don't want to travel for meetings. I'd rather do a Zoom meeting to tell you the truth. We're we're really time management wise giving people an opportunity to really do their jobs in in such a, a, a unique but a, a very thoughtful fashion. I think. Yes, there's a silver lining to that, just as you talk about, and people are getting to know other people in different ways because they're in their homes, their dog walks by, their kid comes into the room, you know, <laughs> they, they, they see their art well. There's, there's a lot more uh, personal stuff going on um, in, in the virtual meetings. The downside is, is that people are sitting in their chairs, not having coffee and informal conversations together. There's a lot that's missing but there's yeah. a lot that's gained. So it'll be interesting to see 
how um, how after COVID, if there is an after COVID, which I hope so, uh, yeah. how people to go forward, whether they do a lot more uh, virtually or not. And I'm sure, I'm just sure they will, because people, a lot of people like not doing the traveling and commuting. And uh, it's also good for the environment, frankly, that and not everybody's running in their cars to get someplace. So yeah. we'll see yeah. what happens. I don't think any of us know. But what's most important in my mind is taking care of the people you have that you hired in the first place and making sure that they're doing okay and that they're feeling supported and they're feeling like they belong and they're welcome in your organization. Yeah. Well, you know, as I said, as a director of an EAP, uh, the most important thing that we did actually ended up being last chance, you know, keeping people uh, from from losing people, you know, the last chance, you know, to, to help them survive in the workplace, which was interesting, but because in the beginning, an EAP was basically what's going on at work affects what's going on at home, what's going on at home affects what's going on at work. And so, you know, it was really, really simple to understand that if you take care of people right away, you know, and, and you give them resources right away, the message is we do want you to work here. We want to help you in any way we can, whether you're having trouble with a teenager at home or, you know, you, you are having some money issues or, again, you have a fa- uh, relationship that's breaking up. But, I mean, it was always about saving and, and telling that employee, that team member, that you want them to stay. You want to keep them a part of this organization because, again, you've spent a fortune training them. They've got experience. They've got knowledge that you don't want to walk out the door. Well, exactly, and that's why I, I really did a, a lot in the retention section because so much of this depends on the attitude of the leader of that person, of that employee. And yeah. before they get to an EAP, hopefully, the leader is, is doing the right thing to understand, uh, to be clear about expectations, to be clear about accountability, to be clear about... Um, what training is necessary to help that person be successful and to to be engaged with them on a very regular basis so that it isn't a big surprise when somebody is failing or a big surprise when yeah. somebody wants fun. It, you know, that relationship is really critical and sure. uh, not enough to pay to it. Absolutely. Thinking about employees as developing relationships, but what what are the common mistakes that companies do make when they they fire? I mean, they hire in the first place, typically. Well, they either hire too fast or hire too slow. They aren't doing what I would call due diligence. There are lots of things that can go wrong. I've I've seen an incredible amount of failure in the reference checking place. Right. Uh, people leave <laughs> resumes. At, yeah. At least 40% yeah. Percent actually lie on their resume so yeah. and there's not a thorough enough vetting process for those eight factors that I was talking about they tend to be too superficial and traditional uh, traditional ways of hiring people haven't changed in hundreds of years and it you know who you know is nice to get you an interview but what happens in that interview ought to be really yeah. clear people don't <clears throat> set up search People don't yeah. uh, prepare interviewers for the interview. I mean, there yeah. there are just things that, that can go wrong, and there are a few things that I put in my book that can fix all that. 
We, we want those things that can be fixed for sure. But, you know, going back yeah. to the issue of references, you know, they are honest in the, in the references. Instead of saying, you know, Sally was unfortunately had her communication skills, you know, her problem solving, da, da, da. You know, there were issues here or here or here. They don't say that. And that's, again, why these people get, keep going up through the ranks and then at the top, yeah. and, and they're totally dysfunctional. I like I like the in your in your book you talk about the uh, person that came in for the interview, and it was a two day process I believe, and they you know and again what happened was lots and lots of people got to spend lots and lots of time with the person to really get an idea, and then for everyone to have a have their thoughts and ask questions and and really spend that time deciding whether this is going to be someone they can work with because what they were what they saw in the resume. Was uh, was you know was was absolutely glorious, but when they actually started sitting down and spending time with this individual, no eye contact, poor social skills, you know, communication was poor, whatever, you know, and and this was an eye opener. And you think to yourself, why don't people do that more often? You know, just spend spend the time. Well, exactly. I mean, it, from the from the get go, there's just too little attention paid to what is this whole person all about? You know, we, can't, we depend too much on resumes. Um, you know, we don't know who wrote that resume. Yeah. We don't. We have no <laughs> idea. Uh, it could be full of lies. We have no idea, exaggerations, and a lot of people do that. And I write about that in the book, what to look for and how to discover those things. Um, and then when the person is there, that ought to be a well-oiled machine by the time they arrive on site. And uh, whether it's virtual or not virtual, unfortunately, when it's virtual, you don't get to see a lot of the things about their interactions that you would see in person. So that is a downside of where we are right now. But there still are a lot of things we can do um, to work around that and, and to check. And by the way, never, listen, never, never pay attention to um, reference letters. Because, and I'll tell you why. Because first of all, the reference knows that the, the candidate has seen it. And so they're not going to write that everything that sure. is possible. Um, so I, do, I have a whole section on, on how to do reference checking that, that actually will get you to the, to the truth. Even in a situation where the previous employer um, has a policy that says we will give you the, the date that they were hired and the date, uh, you know, and that's it, or when they left or whatever, you can still try to wiggle your way in to some questions and spread and spread your reference checking farther than just the, what the person gives you. So I yeah. talk all about you. You asked me what is one of the biggest mistakes that uh, hiring people make, and yeah. I want to say that they don't prepare, and they don't prepare because the reward system for hiring right isn't there for the most yeah. part. So if I were to make one recommendation, it would be that every business make hiring right a business, top business strategy priority and priority. Yeah. All right, I'm going to jump in here quickly because we're going to run out of time. But women's leader, women leaders, again, this is what we both uh, really emphasize. I mean, we all want great leadership for men and women, but women – a man will go in and he he doesn't you know have maybe all the things that he needs for the job. A woman will of course not look for the job until she has three times as much. But you know so I mean but every job though any job that we do when we come into a company a new a new setting it's an on the on the job training. 
people come in with that knowledge and understanding is that I'm, you know, I'm here to learn. I'm here to learn from you. I'm here to learn from you how I can better do this job and what the expectations are. And and I guess that's part of it, too, uh, early on in hiring and negotiating for a position is that those things are not often discussed, that, you know, I'm coming into this job and I know it's a new position for me. Maybe I've done it somewhere else, but it's still going to be a new position for me. What, what do you think women should do more than, than they often don't do, which is negotiate, but what is it they can do to really start off on the right, on the right track to position themselves in that corporation or business? Well, I think there are a lot of things, actually. Um, so I'll tell you about a book that I think every woman who wants to be in a leadership position should read. It's called uh, How Women Rise by... Sally Helgeson and Marshall Goldsmith, and I coach a lot of women leaders, and mm-hmm. I've recommended it to uh, to all of them because it talks about the 12 habits that get in women's way as they're negotiating, as they're being a leader in, a, in an organization, and it's just outstanding. Even I still have one of those habits, so <laughs> after yeah. all these years. Yeah. So the quick answer to your question is get smart about how you're approaching this because uh, this idea of being offered a position. I've always gone into my role thinking that I'm going to be exactly who I am. I'm going to be strong, be confident, not be arrogant. And if this job isn't a good fit for me or they don't want to hire me, then good, because I don't want to be here. You know, it's your attitude going into anything. You you deserve as much pay as you can get. You deserve as many perks as you can get. And if you know that you're good for the job, well, then if they don't figure that out, they're lost. Um, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Women well, you, come at it; uh, they, they're bringing more than they're, you know, they're getting at the. At, yeah. That's how I. So you're you're showing up already knowing that you're deserving. You're showing up already knowing that you're valuable, and I think that's yeah. the key: is that women have to walk in that door knowing, hey, wait a minute, if you get me, if and if, if we match up as far as skills and and talent, mm-hmm. then we're both lucky. We're both going to be lucky. Exactly. But I, So we, we've got the right person now, but something's not right. Something's not right, and somebody's going to have to go. What What does a company do when they, when they have, they look around and they see a hole or they see, uh, again, someone's not matching up with the team? Let's talk about letting them go. How do we let them go? Well, the, the first thing is, is what has the leader and that person done to turn it around? And if they've yeah. done nothing, then more work to be done. If they've done everything and they've been very clear, then, the, then I have five Bs <laughs> the, of how you let somebody go. And it's, it's important to do all that. Uh, it's yeah. important. Yeah. If you want them to, to leave with dignity and to reduce your lawsuits and arbitrations and collateral damage, then they really need to follow a very clear path of how to do that well. My five weeks are real simple. The first one is be truthful. The second one is be fair. Third is be clear. The fourth is be respectful. And the fifth is be smart. And there's a lot of stuff in those five. Um, And if if people follow those, which is how I've always done it, never had a lawsuit, never had an arbitration that I lost anyway. Yeah. 
Well, you know, the exit interview is so important to learn what can be done in the future. You know, what were some of the areas that were lacking? You know, what did that person not have or that what you can learn? You know, and again, some people are going to leave because they choose to, but I think that's the most valuable interview that you can have is to say you're leaving and what what is it we could have done or what is it what was missing you know again maybe if you, maybe you've got a better job offer that's one thing that's another thing but again why is that offer better than for you to stay i mean so that that can be just the ultimate learning component and i think you're you're right they people rare, rarely do that they leave they leave they're gone you know bye-bye no more right it is a rich source of information if people will do it um, sometimes people won't will refuse to do an exit interview because they're leaving because of their leader, which happens a lot. Yeah, and yeah. They, they don't want anybody to know that. So you know, uh, hopefully for voluntary departures, there, I have a whole chapter on that too, and it's a, a very different approach. Uh, and I include the the need for an exit interview if people are willing to do it because you, it, you're right, it's a tremendously rich source of information about what's happening in that team in that division, department, whatever. Mm-hmm. As I said, we are living in, in interesting times. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but again, yeah. it, it seems like leadership is the biggest thing that we're talking about right now because look at our own country. <laughs> oh. I, I'm not going into politics, but my gosh, you know, I I, I guess I don't, I've forgotten the last, every four years what goes on, but, uh, you know, and, and I think the word that's been used is embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. Yeah, I'm embarrassed. Yeah, I- yeah, how could you not be? Yeah, well, yeah, that that we it's unprecedented uh, what we're going through right now. It's never happened before. Yeah, not like this. Well, you, you use words like integrity and character, and I, I believe now those are more integrity, character, but the, also the other word I think that's so key right now is empathy. Is that people Absolutely. really have to be empathetic right now about what's going on. And I, and I think the companies that are going to be successful are the ones that use the, the principles from your book, but also realize that the most important thing is that we really they really do have to have empathy. And if they don't have that, they're really going to lose during this time. But I think yeah. COVID is also an opportunity. I truly see that companies that understand the value of each and every one of their team members and each one of the each, everybody that's working for them, it's an opportunity to really grow that relationship. And when, when like I said, <clears throat> if we ever get through it, <laughs> that, I mean, you'll see, you'll see who's going to rise to the top. The cream always rises to the top. Well, that's true. That's true. I, you know, I, I wrote an article um, for HR.com a little while ago about compassionate furloughs, and one of the most striking things about how successful that was, in a, it was even an accounting company where you wouldn't expect it, was the empathy, um, yeah. not only empathy, but also compassion that the leaders had for their staff. And they had 2,000 people, and they had to let go or put on furlough 400 of them. And, uh, wow, how they handled wow. it was really positive. That means it can be done. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, look at what's going on. You're, if you have small children at home, you're homeschooling, you're working from home. I mean, you know, you, you see everything and you just go, how, how, how are people managing? You know, how are they doing it? And doing it in a fashion that <laughs> at the end of the day, they still have their minds. You know, <laughs> so, okay, I still yeah. think. I think I'm going, okay. All right, well, let's, let's, let's talk about how we, how we get this book. 
where do we go to get oh, this well. book? And we need to learn more about it. Yeah, thank you. My publisher is Roman and Littlefield, so R-O-W-M-A-N.com is to get direct from them. Of course, it's on Barnes & Noble, and it's on Amazon as well. So, And I would love it if people would read it and put in a review because um, that's what makes the difference of what other people think. And I want yeah. to thank you, Nancy, for endorsing the book because yeah, I had – 25 people endorsed the book, including you and Marshall Goldsmith and others. And I'm very proud of that and very grateful. So thank you. As you remember, the name of my book is In This Together. And yes. truly, <laughs> you know, truly, what, you know, we, we use the word empathy and character and integrity, but support is really, really key right now. When we support each other, anything is possible. And you know what? It's a lot more fun. It's a lot more fun to know, <laughs> to build this growing community of women and men who are literally supporting each other and realizing that we can learn and grow from each other in ways that we never even considered. And like I said, this is an opportune time. Yeah. The, the symbol, of, the Chinese symbol, one side of it is chaos, the other is opportunity. It's chaos, but, uh, you know, chaos or opportunity. I think of now as an opportunity, and uh, I want to congratulate you on this book because it's, it's timely. It's so important. I like what you say. Leadership is a discipline, not an accident. It's not That's something. Right. It's something that we can all learn and grow and begin to, to really hone those skills but, you know, we're all leaders at some, in some area of their lives, and women especially. Yeah. Uh, the more we get it, the more we're going to do. Yes, I always say you're the CEO of your own life, so let's, let's work on us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, as a CEO of my life, I, I thank you and I congratulate you on your new book, and let's stay in touch. And, again, whatever we can do to support you and, and work together, we'll continue to do so. Oh, thank you so much, Nancy. I really, really love talking with you every time we, we get together. So thank you. Well, have a great day. And once again, congratulations. All right. Thank you. Everybody go get that book. <laughs> thank you.